You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program, and here to guide you through the murky waters of the Political Cesspool is your host, James Edwards. Keith, uh, that is, of course, the Mermaids, and that's M-U-R-M-A-I-D-S, with uh, their one and only hit, Popsicles and Icicles, I thought certainly appropriate for the weather this week. How about this weather, Keith Alexander? And welcome, everybody. No matter how cold and snowed in or iced under you may be, those uh, polar plunges from the Arctic have uh, done a number on us. And it sure has been beautiful, though. I've enjoyed it. This is Saturday night, January the 20th. We'll keep you warm. Gather around the radio, build a fire. What do you say, Keith? Well, I know your kids enjoyed all of this. By we have way. been out in the snow playing and sledding and snowball fighting and all of that every single day. Every single day. You got to take uh, uh, full advantage of your opportunities when you're in Memphis because you don't get that many of them. But, I mean, we had a full week of it. This well, week. let me read something to you. I'm going to read to you one of the biggest lies ever told. It's the motto of the United States Post Office. Neither snow, nor rain, nor heat, nor gloom of night stays these couriers from the swift completion of their appointed rounds. Folks, I am telling you, that is not true. Not at all. (laughs) It snowed in Memphis last Sunday. If you're listening to the show live tonight on Saturday, January the 20th, that was nearly a week ago. And the mail has not run since. A major city like Memphis, a full Monday through Saturday with no mail delivery and no garbage pickup. A full week completely shuttered of basic civic services. I have never seen that before. Now, it snowed. Yeah, how many inches did we get? Four or five last week? Something Probably. like that. I mean, it wasn't a blizzard. Yeah, it was it, a nice snow. It, it was definitely. It, it was not a foot of snow or anything like that. It was a lot of fun. It's beautiful. I love it. I love cold weather. I love the ice. I love the snow. But for a major city to be shut down for a week, I. That's just something well, else. Well, you know the reason for that. We discussed that. And uh, if I'll go into it if you want nah, me to. I think everybody knows. But the, nevertheless, I mean, how are you supposed to do business? Uh, how are you supposed to? T- well, see, you know, you cannot keep up a, a first world uh, community with a third world population. And particularly government jobs, uh, the particular group we're talking about loves government jobs. They don't think it's a real job unless it's a job that uh, – you don't have to worry about productivity or profitability in. <laughs> See, and that's what that back in the day when I was a teenager, back in the '60s, for example, uh, we didn't have this problem. Uh, you know, you'd have a, a a heavy snow, and the streets would be cleaned off the next day. Now, not this time, and uh, nevertheless, 
I guess it was fitting that it happened on the week of Martin Luther King Day. They did another sanitation strike, and uh, the post office even got involved in it uh, this time. And so I asked Keith, at, actually, at our pre-show supper tonight, he said today, Saturday, was the first day his mail has run all week, but it still isn't running in the suburbs. No, And you live in Midtown Memphis. I mean, you live on a major thoroughfare. I tell you what, uh, uh, cold weather also is an aversion <laughs> to this group we're talking about. So, right. you know, all of this stuff, you just cannot keep up the standards of uh, pre-Martin Luther King America. I, sent out I, I, think, a- I think it's ironic that it happened on the week of Martin Luther King Day. Which, because, you know, it just shows you, points out how bad things have gotten since the civil rights movement. Public education has gone down the drain. Public services like sanitation and postal service have gone down the drain. And we could probably make a list as long as your arm <laughs> on all the things that have deteriorated in American life, particularly American urban life since uh, the 60s and Martin Luther King. All right. Well, Anyway, I sent out a bunch of letters last week, and God only knows if they made it, if they penetrated the ice curtain here. I talked to a friend in northern Mississippi, and he said his mail hadn't been running all week either. It's just right across the state line, but any event. All right, so let me tell you what's coming up tonight. Our lamentations are, are over. It has been beautiful, though. I love it. I like the bitter cold, but I also like, you know, basic functioning government. Well, the thing is, I'm, I've got these old habits of, you know, getting out and getting something done and going to work, and... It's difficult, but after a couple of days, I just got used to it, and I just hung in uh, to, to, you know, in the warmth and whatnot and uh, found a way to uh, spend my time, entertain myself, or get some work done. Keep those pipes running, too, ladies and gentlemen. I hope none of you learned that uh, the hard way. But uh, let me tell you what's coming up tonight. That being said, uh, tonight we're going to welcome back David Zuddy to the program right after our first break this hour. He'll be rejoining us. He is the executive director of the Homeland Institute. Uh, he made his debut appearance on the program last fall, late summer, early fall. He's going to be reporting on his organization's recently conducted polls concerning foreign policy, non-interventionism, and the draft. Very important work going on there uh, by the Homeland Institute. So we'll re-familiarize yourself with that organization and uh, it certainly needs to be a website you visit often and support later in the broadcast i'm going to unveil a special series that we're going to be running intermittently throughout the year a tpc at 20 a retrospective now during this special series we're going to be uh, revisiting clips from some of the most iconic interviews we've ever conducted over the past two decades with fresh reaction and commentary. So you're not going to be getting like a best of hour where we play something from the can. No, you're going to be getting clips of best of interviews with live reaction and response from yours truly and Keith Alexander. We're going to do this once a month for uh, the next 12 months throughout our 20th year anniversary celebration. And when we have those months where we do the special series already, Confederate History Month, March Around the World with all the international guests, we're going to have uh, this uh, this uh, uh, series be interwoven in with those. So uh, you'll have a Southern guest in uh, April that we'll revisit and uh, an international guest in, in March, in addition to the regular programming we'll be doing in those two months. So anyway, I think it'll be a lot of fun. I think it'll be a lot of fun, especially for people who uh, are new to the show. I mean, after all these years, people are still tuning in for the first time every week, every month we hear uh, from new people that uh, certainly weren't uh, around five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. So we're going to uh, have a lot of fun resuscitating some of these uh, interviews and the one we're going to revisit tonight is probably well I don't know we've had some pretty big ones but it's definitely one that gets uh, 
a lot of attention in terms of uh, the long-ago archives, Keith. Well, thank goodness we did that back then and had those archives because a lot of these people have passed on. That's right. And if we hadn't interviewed them, they would not be interviewed and there would not be any information from them. And believe me, for example, in the civil rights movement, there was so much by the mainstream and they dominated all of the, um, uh, you know, news about it. But there was another side that you never heard, and we got a lot of those people interviewed. That's, that's right. We had a nice run of historical interviews. I mean, people, everything from World War II veterans uh, to, you know, for the Axis, of course, and uh, in this in this case is what we're talking about. And then uh, Officer Drew Lackey, who booked Rosa Parks. Uh, you, you, how many people can say they put both Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King in prison? Well, they got that police chief. Uh, well, that's who we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's who we're talking about. But it t- talking about, you know, you've got the idea that the Selma Bridge incident was all, you know, police victimizing these poor, uh, angelic black guys. These were people armed with straight razors and uh, other types of weapons that were injuring policemen. Well, and we've and talked, you never heard that. Well, we, we heard about it because we're one of the few people who ever put these people on the air. There was another side to that. Can you believe it? That was completely shut out. By the press. I want to read one email that came in after last uh, week's show, and uh, then we're going to get to our featured guest of the evening, David Zuddy. Uh, this listener writes, a fascinating interview with Brother Nathaniel last week, particularly his mentioning that President Putin always seats the head of the Russian Orthodox Church in the front row of the Duma when giving a major speech. A piece of trivia information that I discovered about Alexander Kerensky, who led the Russian provincial government after Tsar Nicholas's, uh, II's abdication, Kerensky died in New York in 1970. I did not know this. Uh, the local Russian Orthodox churches in New York City refused to grant Kerensky burial rights because of his association with, uh, and that they largely saw him as responsible for the Bolsheviks seizing power. A, Serban, a Serbian Orthodox church also refused burial rights. Kerensky's body was flown to London where he was buried at the non-denominational Putney Vale Cemetery. Full marks to the Orthodox Church. Well, that's very interesting because I remember in the 60s going to Nashville, Vanderbilt University had a symposium, and he was the featured speaker. You know, he had, in between Tsar Nicholas and, let's say, Trotsky and Lenin, he was the head of, of, of the Russian government. He was a socialist, too, but he wasn't as extreme as Lenin, for example. we got to take a quick break. I hear the music. We'll be back with our featured guest from the Homeland Institute, David Zuddy. Stay tuned. Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise, from flags to t-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. While you're waiting, drop by our Confederate corner for a free cup of coffee and good conversation. Remember, there are no strangers here, just friends who haven't met yet. Dixie Republic, we're not just a roadside attraction, we're a destination for our people. For more information, visit DixieRepublic.com. 
Matthew 24, 24 teaches us that the church is deceived today. Deceived Christians call themselves Judeo-Christians. Around 1900, Jews commissioned the Schofield Reference Bible, which transformed the Jews from Christian killers to the chosen people. Here's the truth. America is in the Bible. Revelation 21, our form of government came down from heaven. Verse 3, the many Christian ministers at the Constitutional Convention sought God's will. The God-given rights in the Constitution were ordained by God. America is the new promised land for Christian Israel, and Christians are the true chosen people. True Israel is Christian. Listen to Jesus, quote, my sheep follow me, unquote, and, quote, you do not believe because you are not my sheep, unquote. John 10, 25 through 27, the beast has transformed America into the woman mystery Babylon, Revelation chapter 17. For the complete Bible study, write to Christian Knuckles, P.O. Box 210813, Royal Palm Beach, Florida, 33421. Welcome back, everybody. Now with us, David Zuddy, an attorney in California. He has a BA from uh, in political science from the University of California, San Diego, and a JD from Chapman University's Dale E. Fowler School of Law. Before studying law, David served six years in, in the United States Air Force as an airborne linguist and achieved the rank of staff sergeant. David, great to have you back tonight. Hi, James. It's great to be here. I can't. It's very exciting. It's a little terrifying what's going on with current events, but it's definitely exciting too. Well, you certainly, the work of your institute, which came onto the scene last year and has already done some pr- uh, profound uh, studies, uh, helps us understand and navigate and to better prepare uh, our uh, path Indeed forward. It, so let's talk just a little. I'm sorry, go ahead, David. Indeed, it does. It, one of the, after our first three polls, we took a little break towards the end of the year, and then, and it, then of course, the whole disaster happened with Gaza and Israel and Palestine. And it seemed like it was very sad seeing Christmas happen with a war on the horizon. What could have been a lot, what was a lot, what is ongoing a lot of bloodshed in Gaza. In my opinion, this is a genocide that's being carried out by Israel. But even more dreadful than that is the, is the danger of a regional conflict or even World War III because everyone's getting involved now. This has exploded into the Houthis, there's Iran. And so this, this really begs the question, could this escalate? And so that's what inspired the first poll for 2024, which was trying to figure out where does the public stand on issues of non-interventionism, Gaza, and a draft. And a draft's important because if this escalates, well, there might be a draft again. Like in World War One. <clears throat> this is Keith. Let me... Let, let me um... Warn you about the situation. We have a guy, about a I don't know, three or five second lag between when we speak and when things come across. We just need to keep that in mind so we don't talk over each other. But let me uh, say that I think that they really have picked the wrong people to pick on with the Arabs. The Arabs never forget. Look at the uh, Crusades, for example. We would win and take over the Holy Land a hundred years later, fifty years later, whatnot. They take it back time after time, and it was not, uh, you know, they're the, they will not forget. They'll keep coming, and they've got a lot of people, and they have not learned to be beholden to the Jews the way that our politicians are and other Western nations like Germany and Britain and whatnot. 
Uh, and that's why you're getting all these protests from people like uh, uh, the Palestinians and Arabs, Muslims and whatnot at Harvard and Yale. They have not been paper trained in the etiquette of politics in America now, which is that the Jews are sacrosanct and you never try to cross them. And seeing these big demonstrations against Israel is, to me, heartening. Well, that's anecdotal. Let's find out what the methodology uh, suggests, and let's get right down to this Homeland Institute poll. Before we get into this one, now this one dealt primarily with foreign policy, non-interventionism, and the draft, among other related topics. David, remind us just as quickly as you can uh, the purpose of the Homeland Institute. Just a quick refresher for the audience. Sure. So the Homeland Institute, our, our goal is to oppose multiculturalism and globalism and look for humane, alternative, and workable solutions. And usually we're focused more on domestic policy due to that, but this is one of those incidents where foreign policy would affect domestic policy because we'd be requiring Americans to go fight for another nation's borders, Israel's borders, while our border is wide open and we're in debt and inflation is out of control. So this is not, in my opinion, you have to be America first, and that requires being America first, not Israel first. I know Nikki Haley thinks otherwise, but she is wrong. All right, David, let me ask you this. One of the things that makes the Homeland Institute so incredibly interesting to me is the fact that uh, it conducts these polls. Now, I would just ask for my own curiosity, and perhaps the audience would share this curiosity, nobody on our side is doing this. Nobody on the right is doing this. How do you conduct a scientific poll? What's the methodology that goes into it? How do you find the respondents? Who do you call? Just quick on that, and then we're going to get to this, uh, these new findings. Sure. So I don't actually call people. I use online polling, which is the more – it's the, the way that's going more mainstream. It's what a lot of pollsters use because people just don't answer their phones anymore. Also, it's easier to control for different things, and this is what's called a scientific survey. So we, we well, right now I'm polling white American registered voters – and I make sure that this population actually matches up to what that would look like in real life in regards to education, party affiliation, ideology, like how far conservative or how far liberal, age, gender, some other issues. More important, most importantly, BLM support and Biden support, because a lot of these issues are kind of hot topics. We control that with BLM support as an additional filter that a lot of other polls probably wouldn't use. And so we make sure these things all match up, like the, the Democrats look like Democrats, Republicans look like Republicans. I spend like hours on an Excel sheet trying to add and delete people until they look like real people. And right now it's only white registered voters. I like to do all races or at least Hispanics, but it's harder to get races and then have them match up to what those races are in real life. For example, I just have to, I need to find more liberal blacks. I have too many conservative or older black people. Uh, Asians, there's too many liberal ones. I need more conservative ones. But in the future, if the I'm not going to reveal what source I'm using, but if this source grows and I think it will, this I might be able to get a I might be able to pour, poll non-whites and get their opinion on this too. Hopefully, All right. well, that, that's kind of interesting. Let me ask you this: very interesting. Do you have a, uh, a a shortage beyond what the normal skew uh, or the proportion is? of whites to blacks, of registered voters. In other words, whites register to vote more frequently than blacks, but how come blacks tend to win all of the elections in places like Memphis? Because, you know, that I've always told James that that was one of the results of the Voting Rights Act of 65. It allowed people not to vote in the regular way, 
and in ways that basically facilitated voter fraud, like absentee voting and uh, early voting periods and whatnot. But it even falls down, even if they're registered, they're not. Yes, they're proportionally less often. Well, they may be proportionally less, but if they outnumber you seventy thirty, like they do in Memphis, yeah, it's like you're. Well, (laughs) yeah, at some point, democracy just becomes. Sorry, multiracial democracy just becomes a headcount at some point. Yeah, racial headcount, exactly right. Well, anyway, David, I think it's fascinating. So, for this, uh, for the purposes of this poll, which we're going to be focusing on for the remainder of the hour, you were polling exclusively white registered voters correct that is correct okay now let's get uh, let's get down to uh the 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 nitty-gritty so foreign policy non-interventionism and the draft this is the latest poll january 13th 2024 just a week old you can read about it read along with us if you're at home homelandinstitute.org homelandinstitute.org slash polls and you can get into all of the data that they have uh, on covered uh, and unmasked so far but give us the broad stroke highlights on what this one showed you david sure just for before going any further you can also follow us on x formerly known as twitter at at homeland inst then also my personal twitter account where i'm a little bit more feisty it's david zutty spelled z-s-u-t-t-y it's a very unusual hungarian last name so it should be the first thing that comes up but to start I decided to, to start with the past first because they say those who don't study history, they're doomed to repeat the, the mistakes of the past. Now, sometimes we want to repeat the past because it's cool, but usually we're looking to avoid mistakes. And I lived through the global war on terror. 9-11, for me, it happened when I was in the ninth grade on the bus. I know exactly where I was where I heard the first tower fell. I know exactly where I was at where I heard there was a second tower that fell. But the global war on terror was a, for me, it was a disaster and a failure. And that's, of course, not bringing in the issue that probably Bush and or Israel knew knew about it and let it happen, which makes them, in my opinion, just as culpable as Osama bin Laden. And they should be tried for war crimes. But it looks it like... Maybe even more than that. It may be that they actually uh, conspired to have it happen. But I'll, I'll just pass on that. But just, you know, it is incredible, basically, as you go through history, how many of these... Uh, incidents that provoked us getting into war were false flags. Yeah, or it's just like it's blown up proportion like the Lusitania and the yellow journalism of the Spanish-American War. It's a common theme. It goes all the way back to Spanish-American War. It's, it's That's how pervasive this is, but thankfully exactly. people are finally wising, wisening up to this. All right, well, well that's, again, this is what's so fascinating to me. This is what your, your polling uncovered, and you really got into very detailed questions. Continue on, uninterrupted. Now, we are going to have a break in about two minutes, but when we come back and we've kind of set the stage for the organization, your work, what you're doing there, and so we'll continue on with that in the next half of the uh, interview. But uh, with the time we have remaining this segment, go ahead and start uh, setting sure, the table, so, so to speak. So for our first six questions, I asked, was the United States – Better off in regards to being safer from terrorist attacks, economic economic prosperity, and freedom and democracy. And those same three questions for the Middle East. And all these questions, only about 11 to to 20% agreed to some extent. I allowed people to say, agreed a lot, a little bit, I don't know, maybe yes, maybe no, absolutely not, maybe no little. And so... These were all abysmally low. 
Nobody thought that the United States or the Middle East were off by better by any metric at all. That more than twenty percent, except for one. The, the first question is: Is the United States homeland safer from terrorist attacks due due, due to the global war on terror? Forty three point six percent, at least somewhat disagreed, while thirty nine point four percent, at least somewhat agreed. So even there, this was the main point of the GWATs, as we call it in the military, because there's a GWATs ribbon for participating in this ongoing nonsense. The thing that was the whole point of this, hold, more people still David, think that was a failure. Right That's it. Okay. Now, this is we're getting into the meat of it all right now. Homelandinstitute.org slash polls. David Zuddy, the executive direct, uh, director of the Institute, is with us now. Talk about their latest polling that uh, concerns a matter that will very much be on the front burner in 2024. We'll be back. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Corey Myers. More snow in store for more than 100 million Americans this weekend. Forecasters say two back-to-back storms spreading at least three inches of snow across some 18 states, from Wyoming to New York. The second part of the storm will dump more snow on parts of the Midwest, Northeast, and Mid-Atlantic. The weather next week, though, expected to be almost spring-like, with temps more like March than January. Over much of the U.S., instead of temps being 30 to 40 below zero, they will be more like 10 to 20 degrees above normal. President Biden still believes there can be a solution between Israel and Palestine. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters Friday that Biden made those comments to Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, but they do not want the president using a certain phrase. When you use the phrase river to the sea, it, it speaks basically to the mantra of Hamas and in their manifesto where they basically describe the geographic bounds of what they believe to be Palestine. And if you look at it on the map, if you go look at the the four corners that they describe it, it's basically the state of Israel. They just don't believe it should exist. The comments come after Netanyahu rejected the idea for a Palestinian state once the conflict in Gaza is over. Japan is now the fifth country to successfully land on the moon. Their SLIM lander touched down on the moon yesterday. SLIM stands for Smart Lander for Investigating Moon. And it's part of a cargo research mission. Japan now joins the U.S., China, India, and Russia as countries that have landed on the lunar surface. This is USA News. You've been working hard, doing the right thing and paying your taxes and putting your hard-earned money in the Medicare piggy bank all your life. And now it's time to break the piggy bank and get something back. Medicare. If you didn't know it, Medicare is health insurance for people over 65. And you've paid for it with your tax dollars. Medicare plans now have more benefits than ever. That's good news, especially if you're like me and looking forward to paying as little as possible for good health insurance. Call and find out what Medicare plan is best for you. Save your time. It's valuable. We've already done the research for you. And in one quick phone call, you can learn how to get the best Medicare plan designed exactly for you. Hey, it's one of the most important decisions in your life. Let us help you through it. Here's our number. 
Call 65 Plus Medicare now. 800 778 8214. 800 778 8214. That's 800 778 8214. The Honorable Cause of Free South is a collection of 12 essays written by Southern Nationalist authors. The book explores topics such as what is the Southern nation, what is Southern nationalism, and how can we achieve a free and independent Dixie. The Honorable Cause answers questions on our own terms. The book invites readers to understand for themselves why a free and independent Dixie is both preferable and possible. The book pulls in some of the biggest producers of pro-South content, including James Edwards, the host and creator of The Political Cesspool, and Wilson Smith, author of Charlottesville Untold, Arkansas congressional candidate and activist Neil Kumar, host and creator of the Dissident Mama podcast, Rebecca Dillingham, author of A Walk in the Park, My Charlottesville Story, Identity Dixie's Patrick Martin, and yours truly, Michael Hill, founder and president of the League of the South, as well as several other authors. The Honorable Cause is available now at Amazon.com. Hey there, TPC family. This is James Edwards, your host of The Political Cesspool. Folks, I want you to subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper. Against all odds, AFP has and continues to publish a populist, independent print newspaper with an unparalleled track record. Founded by a dedicated group of experienced patriots, AFP pulls no punches and tackles the most controversial and pressing issues facing America from an America First perspective. I've worked with the American Free Press since even before the beginning of TPC. Now that's something. You can subscribe to the print edition by visiting AmericanFreePress.net today or simply pick up a handy digital edition subscription. However you do it, subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper, by visiting AmericanFreePress.net or by calling 1-888-699-NEWS, AmericanFreePress.net. Hey, folks, why are we relying on the establishment, the system, to give us our polling data? We now have our very own polling institute, the Homeland Institute. And since bursting onto the scenes back last August with their first poll, which was published August 24th of 2023, uh, they have been really checking the pulse of our people on the most important questions. For instance, first poll was uh, the findings were that wokeness is now almost as dangerous as racism for politicians and businesses. Listen to this important finding. 7.2% of white Republicans said that an accusation of racism would make them more likely to vote for a political candidate. These are numbers you need to know. And how about this? They did a poll on the Great Replacement. Uh, 72% uh, of white Republicans, 40% of white independents, and 16.8% of white Democrats feel that changing demographics pose some threat to white Americans and their culture and values. Uh, a poll on secession, finding that 32.2% of Republican re respondents agreed, at least in part, with the concept of a national divorce. Uh, and on and on and on. Now uh, we're talking about foreign policy, non-interventionism, and the draft. I saw something out of Iowa, David. 
Uh, by the way, folks, just to remind you, homelandinstitute.org slash polls, you can really get into the meat and potatoes of their findings, and you should. Very detailed, very comprehensive. Uh, out of Iowa, David, it, uh, they were asking Republican caucus goers uh, the issues of importance to them. Far and away in the lead was immigration. Uh, not too far behind was the economy, and then in third place, but distantly, was foreign policy. Now, I think that those numbers could change should these things heat up. And let's go back to your findings uh, on this very question. Please pick right, up where you left so, Yeah, so global war on terror, it, more Americans think, at least white Americans think, that it failed at the main goal of making the U.S. homeland safer from terrorist attacks. That was the whole point, aside from, I guess, oil and Halliburton and Israel. And what's interesting is that all the other metrics, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't even close. It was, they didn't surpass 20% for anybody saying that they agreed. So it failed at, definitely for the Middle East in regards to freedom and democracy, which they always talked about, economic prosperity or stability. So we have to say this was a, a complete failure. And what's interesting here is that the independent voters were the most skeptical. They were the most negative. And so when politicians want to get these independent voters they might want to start to maybe take an interventionist stance that's very pop might be more popular of these independents well i think a lot of democrats are so caught up in the vague notion of a democracy and a lot of republicans are still on the the mantra that israel is our greatest friend and ally so really if you want to swing an election you might want to try out non-interventionism and two we also found this is very interesting the 30 to 44 age bracket was also very negative too. And then the 18 to 29 age bracket kind of rebounded. And I think a reason why is because now we didn't con- control the age brackets as closely as we did for party, but we did somewhat control them. And I definitely control the age 18 to 29 bracket pretty well. So I think what happened is that first of all, young people that is like war in general, that's a normal, healthy impulse. That's not negative but it needs to be redirected towards healthy stuff, like like fighting for a people and not for Israel. And two, we have to realize that the global war on terror, GWATs, that's history now. We live through history for real. It's a history thing. And we have to educate the youth about how bad it was and how stupid it was. We didn't get any oil from that. Well, let me... Uh, you know, what we need to do is make connect the dots, I guess... There was no threat to the United States of America, to our homeland here, our, our landmass at all in any of these wars. Uh, the best thing that we could have done in every war since the uh, Spanish-American War is to stay out of them. And see, that's what we need to uh, – your information is going to help us make that argument because there's just nothing – uh, in it for America. This, these wars are all being fought either for business interests or for the to promote Israel's agenda in the Middle East. And we're, uh, we've somehow been conned into doing all the heavy lifting for other groups. And, you know, it's time to, you know, tell the emperor he has no clothes. This is a lie that has been perpetuated and continues to be brought out because it works like a charm for people that want to use our nation for their own selfish purposes. Uh, David, uh, speaking of uh, Keith's point, you, if you don't mind me jumping to this, I thought this was a very interesting finding. You asked people specifically about uh, the 
current system's modus operandi of bomb the third world and bite the third world. What were your findings there? Yeah, so a big issue here is that we have this modus operandi of bomb the third world, import the third world, it's used as a guilt trip. They sometimes have no pretext at all, but usually they like to have a pretext to justify immigration. And we asked, would accepting refugees from Gaza increase the risk of violent crime and terrorist attacks in the U.S. homeland? And it was overwhelmingly yes, and especially amongst Republicans. And this is interesting because Republicans are always supporting Israel. But if we support Israel, we're implicated in the Gaza genocide. And that's going to be used to import all these foreigners. So why are we supporting Israel and making war and encouraging them to bomb the Palestinians? Because they're already talking about, like, wherever the Palestinians go, are they going to go to Europe or America? It's very strange how the Middle East, they never talk about sending the Palestinians to Egypt, which is right across the border, Jordan, Algeria, anywhere else. It's always straight to Europe and America. It's like there's an agenda to replace us. I don't know. I've been told it's a far-right conspiracy theory, but I don't know. It looks like the modus operandi. And two, we also just asked in general, does supporting Israel increase the risk of terrorist attacks? And Republicans admitted, yes, that's a, that's a thing too. And so we really have to show people. Interesting. Right. There, there's a cost here. Well, in, let me in, say in, this. Oh, go ahead, finish your thought, and then yeah. uh, I, I would like to reply. Yeah, there's, to a, it, okay? there's a cost. This isn't just the, the cost we think about sending money, the money we spend on carrying the entire military strategy around Israel. Trust me, Central, CENTCOM, Central Command, they're the, they're the baby that is pampered in the military. Every other COCOM just gets, whenever CENTCOM is even more important than, than European Command, UCOM, it's ridiculous. But it's true. It's like there is a price well, me, tag beyond just the money. Well, you know, as Shakespeare said, Jewish interests are allowed to be hoisted on their own petard by this because if they bring the more Muslims and specifically the more Palestinians they bring in, and they bring in a bunch of them, there's not a convenience store, I think, in the city of Memphis that is not owned or operated by Palestinians, for example. And right. they bring them over here <laughs> and... They can find out very easily where the Jewish neighborhoods are. They still live in distinct neighborhoods for the most part in the vicinity of synagogues. And if they found out, they, you know, that we could sit back and watch the fur fly. They, they don't seem to understand that they're putting themselves at jeopardy. The Jewish interests are putting themselves in jeopardy by bringing these people over. Sort of like that Captain Ahab uh, mindset there. They're going to stick it to us, but that, it that, doesn't that, help that, them right. in some ways. Well, David, this is interesting, your, your questions about Israel, because I know obviously – Older Republicans are going to be Christians. That's not a bad thing, but what is bad is that so many Christians have been infected with this uh, Christian Zionist philosophy and dispensationalism, so on and so forth. So you're still getting a lot of people saying, well, Israel is our greatest ally. But then you ask the question, what are they doing for us? Uh, what, and then it calls right. some people to perhaps even reconsider their answer. Right. So I, I'll, before I get to that, I asked another question, asking if they thought that the U.S. relationship with Israel is more of a, a net positive or a net, ne- net negative. They could say like a big net positive, a small net positive, same with net, net, net negative, along with about equally positive and negative. And what's interesting here is that Republicans, their support was higher than everybody else, of course, for Israel in this question. And Republicans age 18 to 29 were also more more pro-Israel in this question than the general population. But, but, 
Really? Republicans age 18 to 29, there were fewer people who saw Israel as a net positive than Republicans in general, and more who saw our relationship with Israel as a net negative than Republicans in general. So what this found, this is buttressing what, I'm basically replicating the findings of the poll that our dear friend Jonathan Greenblatt at the ADL talks about, where there was some leaked <laughs> audio, and he was freaking out about how this wasn't a, a party thing, or I, and I forget his exact words, but he said it wasn't an, a, an ideology thing, it was an age thing, and it's true. Now, the Republicans age 18 to 29 are lagging behind on skepticism, but they're making headways, they're, they're making progress, and that is good. Because I, when these, this came out, I heard a bunch of naysayers saying, well, that's just because the youth is more non-white. Or the white ones, they're also a lot of them are liberal. No, this is also a trend in the Republicans. It's not as strong in the Republican youth, but it is still there. We're still making headway. And this is important because we asked two other very important questions. Because we have, I'll get to those after this break, but I think you guys will like it. We got, uh, we're going to hear about those two questions and some final questions from us to our featured guest of the evening, David Zuddy, of the Homeland Institute. That is homelandinstitute.org. If you're like our friend Brad Griffin and you just uh, really, really, really like detailed polling numbers and analytics, they've got them there. Hello, TPC family. It's James, and I've got to tell you that I sleep better at night knowing that there are organizations like the Conservative Citizens Foundation. The purpose of the Conservative Citizens Foundation is to promote the principles of limited government, individual liberty, equality before the law, property rights, law and order, judicial restraint, and states' rights, while at the same time exploring the dangers posed by liberalism to our national interests and cultural institutions. The Conservative Citizens Foundation also seeks to educate the public on the dangers of extremist ideologies like critical race theory and cultural Marxism. I've worked with the good people at the Conservative Citizens Foundation for many years and their work comes with my complete endorsement. For more information and to keep up with all the latest conservative news headlines, please check out their website, MericaFirst.com That's M-E-R-I-C-A 1-S-T dot com MericaFirst.com as you are aware, America is divided over every fault line possible. This is intentionally fostered by those who do not love God, family, or country. We believe a peaceful future as a free people absolutely depends on civility. Clarion Call for Civility is looking for funding and volunteers at every level to make our hopes and efforts a reality. Please donate, sign our pledge, and help us in our sacred cause. Please visit callforcivility.com for more details. Callforcivility.com. My name is Christian Knuckles. I prophesy there will be no revival until the church leadership stops lying to the people. I'm the first soldier of the spiritual body of Christ, the Lion of Judah, the Confederate Church of Christ. I'm here to declare the lion will lie down with the lamb when the lying stops. A message from Christ Kingdom Ministries and brought to you by confederatechurchofchrist.com. All right, folks, we really have to make haste right now with David Zuddy. I've got a few follow-up questions, some conclusions, uh, and uh, we're starting to run out of time. So, uh, David, you said there was two very interesting questions you wanted to share with the audience uh, to 
and again, we're just covering the broad strokes of this poll. It is a much more in-depth and detailed than we possibly could share with you in, a, in an hour of commercial radio. But, David, finish your thoughts on the things you want to share with the audience, and then we'll, uh, we'll start wrapping this up. Sure. So we have this refrain, this mantra, that Israel is our greatest friend and ally. And people like, like Nikki Haley will say this all the time. Sean Haley. say that America couldn't exist without Israel. But, you know, friends help each other. I hope your best friend has done something nice for you recently. So we asked respondents, could you think of a concrete example of, of Israel helping U.S. interests off the top of your head? You don't get to go to Wikipedia here. Off the top of your head. And guess what? Only 23% of all respondents could say yes or claim to, maybe lied. So that is a big thing because I think that's a great way to really do some skepticism about Zionism is ask, well, what have they done for us? Can, if it's really that big, what have they done beyond this vague talk about democracy? Make it concrete. Because they'll be very vague about demo- an outpost about the democracy, which I don't care about in the Middle East. That's their problem to work out on their own. I'm not there to teach them or boss them around. So no, it's, it's a fake relationship. We get an increased risk of terrorism, a pretext for migration, and they have not done anything concrete for us at all. And the other question was, off the top of your head, can you think of a concrete example of Israel hurting American interests? And we had 29% say yes. Now, that number is way too low. We need to really work on that. But think (laughs) about it. Right now, skepticism about Zionism is spreading. It's making headways. And this is with only 29% who can think of a concrete example. And there's a lot of concrete examples like the USS Liberty, et cetera, et cetera. I won't recite them all because we could be here all night. And I really want to want to foot stomp a point is that some people f- say that, hey, oh, USS Liberty, that is so 2019. I already know about this. This is boring because we mastered it. Well, you're a good student. Well, now's the time for you to go from being a good student to being a good teacher because a lot of other people don't know. Here, here. We have to we have to share our knowledge. And right now, X, it's not a free speech platform, but it's a lot more free. And there are large accounts being skeptical about Israel. You have a duty, I think, to get on there and do what you can do to spread some skepticism. Ask the hard questions. Be an activist. Well, one of the hard questions, uh, David, is this. They're not our greatest ally. They're our greatest moocher and backstabber, and we need to bring that home to the people, that basically they're like some kid in the seventh grade that gets his big brother to fight all of his enemies in the class. That's what's happening. We're basically running our nation, running our military, spending our uh, treasury to help Israel, and everything that helps Israel basically makes us unpopular with the rest of the world. And I don't think a lot of people understand that, and particularly Southern evangelicals that believe this, he who blesses Israel is blessed and he who curses Israel is cursed. That's the group that we really need to reach and convert their mindset because that's fertile soil. And if we, if without those people backing Israel, I don't think Israel would be backed, at least in public opinion. Well, I mean, you know, well, that's actually one of the questions I had for David. And by the way, folks, uh, homelandinstitute.org slash polls. At the end of all of these polls, then we've talked about they've done polls on wokeness and racism, on the Great Replacement, on secession. And then now this one on foreign policy. They all have a nice conclusion at the bottom where it sort of summarizes the findings of these polls, which you can read in depth. But it has a Cliff's Notes version for you at the end. And uh, we'd encourage you to check that out as well. 
But how can these polls see again? And I've got to reiterate this point. Nobody on our side is doing the work that the Homeland Institute is doing with regard to these polls. Real. Honest to goodness polls conducted in the same way that the system conducts their polls. But how can these findings on any of these topics that you've conducted polls on thus far, David, be applied politically? Because public opinion isn't as worth uh, isn't worth as much to a politician as PAC money. But how can these be used to the benefit of our people? One of the ways is that we can show that our policies are not extreme. They're actually very widespread. And they need to worry about this because we're not alone. We're not a – I hate the word dissident. We're not really dissidents anymore. We're, we're coming out of that self-ghettoization. Mainstream, so, yeah. Yeah, they need to watch out for this because, like here, I think one of the big things here is that a draft isn't feasible and it would be wildly unpopular. So what's going to happen is that a lot of these respondents, uh, they believe that this is likely to escalate into a regional conflict, this Gaza crisis. And I agree with them. I think they're correct about that. However, they were overwhelmingly opposed. Well, there was a slim majority who wanted to give diplomatic economic support to Israel. That's unfortunate, but it's a fact. But overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, they were strongly opposed to boots on the ground or airstrikes. And guess what happened? A few days ago, Biden did an airstrike not on Gaza, but on the Houthis, which which basically jumped into this whole drama. And they're doing this piracy in the Red Sea and all that. Well, the Houthis are backed by Iran, so this risks an escalation. And it probably will escalate because these they people don't understand diplomacy. Yeah, it is. And don't you agree, Iran, though, David, it, that the Iranians want that? I'm not the Iranians want it. The U.S. government and the Israeli government want. They're praying for Iran to get involved in this thing. And uh, you know, see, I think back about World War One. They declared war. The United States at Jewish uh, incitement. And they found they had very few people. Wasn't the last time either. (laughs) Yeah, I know it. And it was uh, uh, they basically didn't get the response. They got very few volunteers, so they initiated a draft. But somehow, waving the flag and the bloody shirt was all that it took to get uh, you know people. Young men competing with one another to get into the armed forces. Well, you know, and we've talked about this with Michael Hill. I mean, the Southerners, you know, Southern men, our people, are the worst with this because we like to fight. It's in our genes. It's in our DNA. Well, we also have been stung by the idea that we were somehow traitors to have the Civil War, and they were trying to overcome that back then. In some, uh, some of them may have, but but no, that's not a factor today. But that was a factor, I think, in 1917. Well, uh, I. Hopefully not. But uh, anyway, well, David, I've like got a... to. Go ahead. But it looks you, like you, a draft isn't feasible. Draft. It's, uh, it's not happening. Yes, it's you pulled on this. People, surprisingly, people don't want to be. You know, it's one thing to put it up as your social media icon. You know, the old meme, I support the current thing. Or to uh, parrot platitudes that everybody else is saying. It's another thing to say, yeah, I want to be drafted. or I think there should be a draft. That's where the rubber meet, uh, meets the road. And people, surprisingly uh, or not, don't want to be drafted for one of these wars that they may offer some mouthpiece. Uh, it reminds support. me of Country Joe and the Fish's song from Vietnam, Vietnam Rag. All right, here's the thing, David, and i got to ask you this. Uh, this is, I think, the big, the big thing right now is we talked about all the different issues you pulled on. These are issues that are our bread and butter here at TPC. This is the stuff we talk about every week. Now, yes, we'd like to see the numbers higher. Speaking of secession, you said I think it was 33% uh, roughly thereabout uh, of Republicans who were in favor of it. But now, you've got to keep in mind, this was actually on par with an establishment poll that had come out uh, a year ago. 
the answer wasn't are you for it or against it. You know, unsure. The, the people who were unsure had a big slice of that as well. So it's a, it's almost uh, split into thirds there. But anyway, yeah, I mean, maybe you say we want to see that at 60%, 70%, something unrealistic right now. But I think the key is which way are the trends going? Are white people trending in our direction on these very sensitive issues? Are they moving in our direction? What have your findings shown there? Right, so here for the upcoming year 2024, we're going to repeat the two, two, or two to three of the first three polls, and we'll see if there's any change. Like for the, the, the poll on secession, national divorce, you have to realize that even though people like Greg Johnson were talking about national divorce for years and years amongst others, it didn't really go viral until Marjorie Taylor Greene tweeted about it in March or February of 2023. So this year, we'll do a follow-up poll about 12 months after we first polled on that, and we can Excellent. see what changed. And it's good that we actually are replicating the establishment findings because it means that the other the other data we have is probably correct, too. That gives me a lot of confidence. And two, we could then go beyond this because the, the establishment wouldn't ask the questions I asked. And what's interesting is that for this poll, I got a lot of feedback from respondents saying this were, these were unusual and interesting questions. They gave me a lot of positive feedback. They're not being asked these questions. And when they are, they're, they're keeping this under lock and key. But now... I think this can embolden people to say no to a draft. They will say, no, I'm not alone. And yes, it's going to be mostly a young thing, mostly a Democrat thing, but there will be older people and Republicans opposing their draft too. A lot of them would do uh, civil disobedience, a nonviolent protest. I'm a little disturbed by some of the people who said that they've resorted to violence. I don't approve of that because that's a losing situation for everybody involved, but it's something to keep in back of your head. It's, it's, it's uh, yeah, the, I think your findings... Uh, yeah, about 4 or 5% said they would resort to violence if there was a draft, correct? Yeah, and, and the, we think about the 1960s as turbulent. I think this would be even more turbulent because people, there's less social fabric. People are just more alienated. They're, they're not going to go along with this. Oh, yeah. And, and, and also Held this together is only... by a very tenuous and vapid economy and consumer, consumerism. Sorry, David. Yeah, yeah, about a minute remaining. And, and also this poll only targeted white voters. It didn't target colored voters and there's that's a big thing because they got they were allowed to basically riot without consequence in 2020 they're acclimated to using political violence with no repercussions and we also didn't talk about russia or ukraine and i think russia would get involved and doing propaganda that doesn't mean that i approve of russia i'm kind of pro-ukrainian but russia would jump in with propaganda and that would affect these numbers too so a draft isn't happening People don't believe in the regime's lies. It's over. Well, David, I tell you, I've enjoyed this interview very much. Homelandinstitute.org. Support the work of the only institute that's doing polling for our side and how those results can be applied. We'll find out together. But I really like what you said a moment ago, that you're going to replicate some of the polls from last year, a year later, and then we'll have an ironclad, concrete idea of where the trends are moving. I'm really looking forward to those findings. And we'll stay in touch with you often. Let us know whenever you do uh, and conduct a new poll. We'll have you back on, David. Thanks for being Send on with us tonight. Send us some of these polls Sounds so great. we can use it with our listeners. Thanks, I my will. friend. And just Talk before to you 